It's philosophy talk. Evolution, natural selection, random mutation. Well, Charlie Darwin looked so far into the way things are. He caught a glimpse of God's unfolding plan. God said, I'll make some DNA. They can use it any way they want. That's what I call intelligent design. If you think that God is designing individual species, then there's a real conflict. Our guest is Daniel Dennett, author of Darwin's Dangerous Idea. The biological world is packed with design. What Darwin showed is how that design can come to exist without a designer. That's what the theory of evolution is all about. I just sit back in the shade while everyone gets laid. That's what I call intelligent design. Coming up on Philosophy Talk after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 KALW, San Francisco's local innovative public radio station. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. And from that oasis of thought down at Philosopher's Corner, we migrate to this oasis of the air via the signal of this and our ever-growing number of affiliates, and then from the air to the blog, our blog, the blog.philosophytalk.org, where John's already kicked off our discussion on this topic. Yes, I've got a blog there on intelligent design, and it's not half bad if I do say so myself. Now, Ken, you know, intelligent design is often said with a bit of a sneer these days by the cognoscendi and, and the the inner intellectual secular humanists and all those guys. But it's, a, it's an argument that philosophically has a venerable history. David Hume, uh, in his Dialogues on Natural Religion, considers the argument, and his character Philo comes to the conclusion that the cause or causes of order in the universe probably do bear some remote analogy to human intelligence, although Hume makes the point, the very important point, that it doesn't follow that they are at all similar to the conception of the Christian God. Right. I mean, Hume was no big fan of the argument from design. I mean, he kind of demolishes it by some people's light. Certainly later, Darwin absolutely demolishes it. But I actually think that if you didn't believe in the argument from design before Darwin, you were just flapping your lips. I mean, life is really complex. You know, we have all these juices in our stomach to digest our food. We, we, we can run, we can grab, we can do all this stuff. Our eyes can set, finally tune to the light. How did that all happen? Antecedent before Darwin... It was just a mystery. So you might as well have believed the design argument in those days. Well, you know, in the Dialogues on Natural Religion, Philo actually puts forward a little kind of proto-natural selection type view. And he comes to the conclusion, well, that really isn't going to explain everything. Uh, and he kind of sets the form that these arguments have continued ever since up to the present day. That is, there's some feature that natural selection or evolution just can't explain. Now, his own candidate wasn't too plausible. It was that we have two arms when only one is needed for survival. But still, maybe some argument of that form will work. Yeah, but, you know, if he had been around with Darwin, Darwin would have said, it's because we're descended from ancestors who have four limbs. We go upright, two go upright, and two stay to the ground. You know, natural selection works by working on what's there. So that argument wouldn't have been, that argument would not have been too powerful in the post-Darwinian age. I completely agree with you. I don't think two arms is going to demolish <laughs> Uh, the theory of evolution. Uh, we've come a long way since then. And uh, we, we must have come a long way from the Scopes trial, too, when you couldn't even 
teach evolution in some of the public schools. Yeah, I mean, nowadays, uh, natural selection is the dominant theory of the day, and the question is really, rather, it's kind of reversed. Can you teach uh, intelligent design in schools today? And to help us sort out that question, our roving philosophical reporter, Polly Stryker, went out and talked to people on both sides of that issue. She files this report. The film Inherit the Wind is a dramatization of the 1925 Scopes Monkey Trial about the tension between evolution and creationism. Here's Dick York getting arrested for teaching Darwinism. From the first wiggly protozoa here in the sea, to the ape, and finally, to man. Now some of you fellows out there are probably going to say that's why some of us act like monkeys. <laughs> but what Mr. Charles Darwin was trying to tell us in his own way... Bertram T. Cates... You're charged with violation of Public Act 31428, Volume 37, Statute Number 31428 of the State Code, which makes it unlawful for any teacher of the public schools to teach any theory that denies the creation of man as taught in the Bible, and to teach instead that man has descended from a lower order of animals. I hereby place you under arrest. It seems like a long time ago, but this debate is far from over. My primary focus in teaching evolution is to show evolution warts and all. Doug Cowan is a high school biology teacher who's careful to say that he does not teach intelligent design. I, I dive into, you know, what is accurate, what is factual about evolution. We'll go through all the main pillars of evolutionary theory, and then we come back and we say, well, let's look at these evidences even closer. And I, I would say that ID, intelligent design, and design theory are the same thing. I don't mention intelligent design. I will mention design inference or design theory uh, if it's brought up. Some kids will ask. Some of the articles I have them read on criticism of Darwinian evolution uh, will bring it up. And then I say, well, there is a new theory that's out. It's growing in popularity, but it's not very accepted point. That's constitutionally protected. And school districts face jeopardy if they discriminate I think intelligent design is just a new label for creationism. Nick Motsky is spokesperson for the National Center for Science Education, a watchdog group that keeps track of what's going on with evolution education around the country. It is a legal strategy that was devised in about 1987 when creation science uh, went down in flames before the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, proponents of intelligent design will tell you that uh, intelligent design is not creationism. That's probably the most important thing that they will claim about it. And they will say that it's, it's an attempt to discover intelligence in biology and cosmology. Um, really what I think the core of intelligent design is substantively is really the idea of special creation. I don't use the term intelligent design. That's like a boogeyman. It's like creationism. And they're not the same thing. As much as evolutionary biologists want to paint the picture that design theorists are really gussied up creationists, they, they don't know what they're talking about. The whole hang-up there is the designer. Well, who's the designer? And I tell kids, you know, if you ask me what the designer is, I don't know. Could be Vishnu. The intelligent designer is clearly God. It's clearly the God of Western theism. If you look at um, the intelligent design movement and you look at what they're really after, it's exactly the same thing that was bugging uh, the creationists in the 1980s and before. People are afraid that if evolution is true, then God doesn't exist. And if God doesn't exist, then there's no basis for morality, and therefore you're going to have societal chaos. Uh, let's take a biochemical machine that, that is used, uh, especially by Michael Behe, the bacterial flagellum. Here's this perfectly designed little motor, and it's got 40 specific parts, all proteins, 
How do those proteins get made? How do they get put into place? Can you infer design from this specified complexity? What explains their formation? Was it by co-option, living things, borrowing other things, to end up at a functioning system by blind chance? And the chances of that are practically zero, just happening by itself. It would be like saying, you take a 747 jet aircraft, you got all the pieces, you got them in a big pile, self-organized into a flying jet. The intelligent design movement will say, well, things look designed, and that's our positive argument for intelligent design. And the real problem with the design argument is that uh, it's all one massive analogy between the structures we see in life and the structures we see in human technology. The next strategy that's in the wings is um, something probably that we could call quote-unquote critical analysis of evolution. And basically the idea there is, well, if we can't mention the intelligent designer, which clearly implicates God, um, at least we can get our objections to evolution in, which is 95% of what we were talking about anyway. Even though intelligent design has lost this latest court case, um, it's not going away, perhaps until it reaches the Supreme Court. Um, creationism doesn't go extinct, creationism evolves. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Polly Stryker. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.